uh, it's time to uh, fly up to the news because the story of the day, everywhere you look, is the Chinese spy balloon. And I'm not sure if you've if you've seen the latest on this. Well, I know the latest is that uh, another spy balloon has been spotted and it's uh, transiting Latin America. What is going on? So this originally this balloon was, I think, spotted on Wednesday crossing the Aleutian Islands of Alaska. And then it made its way across Canada and then down into Montana. Now, from what I've read. Uh, the Biden administration was immediately uh, made aware of this. President Biden's initial uh, inclination was to shoot the balloon down. He conferred with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and his military advisors, who said the balloon posed no significant threat to the United States, and the the idea of shooting it down could cause damage uh, from debris to uh, property or people. This thing could fall through a, a, a school or a, a mall or, and really cause serious injury or damage. So they decided to just let it fly. Well, now we have a second balloon crossing Latin America. And it's become just the story of the day from both political parties, from every news organization. I'm watching, we, have, you know, we have multiple news monitors here in the Cairo newsroom. And I'm watching CNN's coverage of the Chinese spy balloon, and they literally have what looks to be a a meteorologist who is tracking the flight of this balloon across the country like it was a cold weather front. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, she's just, well, it's going to come down here through Missouri and then hell off to the east and through the Carolinas Mm -hmm. and off to sea. I'm just like, you have got to be kidding me. So the real real question here is uh, American airspace sovereignty. The potential for classified or using the word classified anymore uh, espionage are the Chinese seeing something from this balloon at sixty thousand feet, twice about the altitude that uh, commercial airlines travel. You know, and, and should we be doing something about this? Is this a failure of the Biden administration to keep the skies of America safe? Is one side of the argument. Well, the Chinese are saying this is nothing more than a weather balloon. And that it just went terribly off course, I'll say. Um, that doesn't explain how now there are two of them. Right. Uh, Anthony Blinken has postponed his trip to China because he said the suspected surveillance balloon was detrimental to discussions that officials planned. And so it it's a watch and see operation now. Like you said, the debris that could be created and that could fall to the earth uh, or fall to the the ground, rather, um, could be a, a real problem. So they don't want to shoot it down. Right. But what what is its potential? I guess that's my question. What could it be collecting? Given the areas that it's in, and maybe I'm being dumber than I usually am, but it is over <laughs> places like Montana and things like that. Like what is in that area – uh, that it, what are its capabilities as it flies over those particular regions of the country? Well, from what I've heard today, and I was on with Jack Stein today from 12 to 3, and Jack had a pretty good base of knowledge from, uh, I think it was 2020 or 2019, that China had launched several high-tech satellites that gave them the ability to see much better at what we're doing on the ground in America than a 60,000-foot balloon would give them. So they've already had the ability, if this is for surveillance purposes, they've already had the ability for the last two or three, four years to get much better information. And we didn't do anything about that. We didn't go crazy when these space satellites were tracking the planet. And this, these are the kind of satellites that have such technology, they can see the dimples on a golf ball. 
That's how good the cameras were from these satellites, these spy satellites. I mean, that's that's international space. Not much we can do about that. But when a 60,000-foot elevated balloon flies over America, all of a sudden we're going bananas. That They're going to see silos in Montana or they're going to see military bases in Missouri. I mean, it has As it has floated across the country, it does cross the path of various – of several different uh, military installations. But again, this is stuff that they've already got access to this information. I mean, it's not like they're flying over Joe Biden's garage in Wilmington and getting the real skinny on what's going on or Mar-a-Lago or wherever secret documents are kept these days. I mean, it, it doesn't seem to be posing much of a threat. To me, the real issue is how can this just be allowed to happen for it to invade our sovereign airspace without us doing something? Well, and it does seem like a rather unsophisticated yeah. way to to surveil the country, like you said, yeah, big old big old balloon. Um, and you're right; they have much more precise ways to spy on us in terms of people on the ground, technology. I mean, it's just it, this is this is not going to be their their method of choice. I mean, uh, this is to, Phineas Fogg technology. They're they're busting out on us here today. Yeah, I mean, come on, folks. But what what to do about it? I mean, right. if they do you let it just it, float along and, and merrily take its time until it goes out to sea. And the and the Chinese are not saying we're going to do anything about it. They've been asked and they've said, "Nope, we're sorry. It was a weather balloon. We're not doing anything. You 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 know, this is uh, nothing. We're going to change." So uh, the options are very very limited as far as what can uh, really happen. And China, it's a, it's a sticky wicket. I mean, you know, they, nobody wants to get, get really, I, I think, into a, a big match with China over something that might be innocuous. Right. Um, and so they really, I don't, I don't think they know what to do. I think everybody is involved. Everybody's watching this. Um, and how do they, how do you get a, again, <laughs> dumbest question, uh, the second dumbest question of the day, how do you get a balloon back? Like, how do the, <laughs> yeah, how do the seriously. Chinese, what do they do about it? Like, if, if they, if they really threw down, you know, the gauntlet and said, okay, get this balloon out of here. Okay. What do you, what do you got a big string? I mean, wh- how are they getting it back? So well, I saw Batman where he literally grabbed the, uh, the mobster accountant out of the side of a building by using like a floating a balloon and a plane came by with a hook, right? Couldn't we use something similar to that? A plane with a hook on it, fly by it and just grab it and tow it around? Tow At it this out the point, sea. that might be the best option because they don't have anything, um, they don't have anything else. Uh, and if it's a spy balloon though, I don't know, how are they really gathering? I mean, the thing is, is just a big if you've seen the pictures of it which i'm sure you have yeah it's incredible it's, yeah it's just this big giant ball and it's got something attached to it and it's just floating around i think that they like you said they're saying that it will eventually i guess what go out of the area and then uh do they have it tracked yet on where they think it's going to go next yeah the 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 cnn weather girl literally Mm -hmm. had this you know this line drawn that went like through the carolinas and off into the the atlantic ocean that's the because apparently while china did say it has mobility it has Mm -hmm. a motorized steering capability but they've lost control of it, so it's just floating in the atmosphere. And it's on a jet stream that has brought it down through Canada into Montana, down through Missouri, and it's now traveling east and will cross across the mid-Atlantic and go out to sea. At which point you shoot it down when it's over water, right? 
Isn't that the yes? Re- and not 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 surprisingly, these are some of the reactions that the Republicans have. Former uh, President Donald Trump says, "Shoot down the balloon." Um, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley said that she thinks they should shoot down the balloon. Biden is letting China walk all over us. Marco Rubio said that the balloon should have been shot down over a sparsely populated area. This is not some hot air balloon. It has a large payload of sensors, roughly the size of two city buses, and the ability to maneuver independently. Uh, Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State, said shoot down the Chinese Communist Party balloon safely and demand answers from Chinese from the Chinese president. And uh, the Republicans believe, at least those do, that this is showing great weakness toward China. Well, well, and I and I can respect that point of view. Um, but so what I've read is that Biden asked his generals, he asked his military, what's the best thing to do? And it was their recommendation to not shoot this down for the reasons mm-hmm. that we stated earlier. So, I mean, uh, how, how do the folks who say, shoot it down, shoot it down, shoot it down, you know, w- wouldn't you ask the people who are experts in this field, experts in espionage, experts in national defense, what they would do and follow their recommendations? Isn't that the prudent thing to do? And they have said it is not posing a military or political threat. So the biggest threat right now would be to shoot it down and yeah. the debris could cause some damage on the ground. So you, you, you don't want to create a bigger problem by letting it land on somebody or somebody's thing. And it, and it seems like if it eventually floats its way out to the ocean or something like that. Right then, uh, you take it, it yeah. out. And then you can find out what data it collected by collecting whatever information is is on the balloon and 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 take it from there and you can see i mean that's that to me is an important reason to shoot it down so you can see exactly what it was Find out what they what have. was yeah. this thing yeah. yeah and now that there's two of them you really want to know what's going on out there why are why are there two now why is one over latin america what's that one doing well, well i'm sure this will be remain the top story until it is brought to earth and they figure out what was going on with it. And it's, and it's reasonable that people want answers. It's people that re- reasonable that people want our skies to be safe and our sovereignty to be, you know, patrolled and, and maintained. There's, a, there's an even scarier story coming from, from Southeast Asia, though. Uh, an even bigger threat, I think. It's, it's, and it's viral. Um, it's the latest trend in Japan. Have you seen this story? It's the latest <laughs> TikTok challenge coming out of Tokyo. The latest, you know, get clicks TikTok challenge from Tokyo are young citizens of Tokyo licking sushi at conveyor belt sushi restaurants and putting them back on the belt for the rest of the restaurant to deal with. That's like the latest TikTok craze. Yeah, there is an ick factor. Seriously, ick factor. That would be completely a deal breaker. Yes, it's called sushi tarot, which is sushi terrorism. Oh, my God. And it's... It's happening so often, and there's so many TikTok uh, challenges with this that now the police are being called in and 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 being told that this is a real problem. There was one company that said that they lost their stock went down five percent. They lost 125 million dollars because the TikTok videos showed their place as being unclean. Remember, it is hygiene and politeness that this defies in terms of Japanese culture. It's very important to the Japanese culture to be very, very clean, and they are very polite, yes. a very polite culture. So 
that, that that someone is invading the food and invading their space. And it's everything from these kids licking the soy sauce bottle to putting the you know the sushi up to their mouth and then putting it back. Uh, <sighs> this is happening on the conveyor belt sushi stuff. So I don't know if you've ever been to one of those I restaurants have. where it comes around I and have. everything. I love them. But I have been to one. I stopped going when I watched a, a customer take a, a one out and then put it back. Like they they looked at it and then they put it back on the, the plate. Conveyor oh, they belt. took the plate off the belt and then put it back on. Yeah. Now, now these come like with little domes over them, right? Because it's not like somebody's breathing on them. I know, but you know. Cooties. No, no, I, I hear you. No, it's a ick. It's a major ick. But what's but, wrong? What's wrong with kids these days? I'm. I don't mean to be the, the get off my lawn guy, but you know, it was bad enough when the the steal my Hyundai, steal my Kia TikTok challenge was all the rage, and that's what led to so many car thefts in our area. You know, a recent uh, report said that nine of ten cars stolen over a weekend were either Hyundai's or Kias. The other, the tenth one was a Ford one Ford F one fifty truck. But clearly, this this video showing kids how to steal these cars with a USB cable through TikTok, the TikTok steal my car challenge, led to that. And now the TikTok lick my sushi and put it back on the board so I get sick challenge. What is wrong with kids these days? Well, I would say that the Japanese version of, of this is relatively tame compared to the other <laughs> yeah, TikTok. Yeah, I mean, yeah. okay, I'll take that one. Yeah. It's bad, but I'll just stay away from those restaurants. But some of the other ones have been horrible. Uh, a few years ago, it was a TikTok challenge where they would destroy bathrooms in schools. Um, they've gone after a, a, a harassing certain people. I mean, these things are out of control and and really disturbing i mean really disturbing and violent many times and it's it's an effort to become popular and followed and have clicks right that's the whole point of a tiktok challenge to become clickbait to to get followers to get views right but that's what that's what constitutes notoriety these days is breaking up a bathroom or you know licking food and putting it back stealing a car that's i mean how, how have we fallen to that portion or I mean, or to that kind of society where that's what's rewarded? That's what we all want to see. That's what makes people popular is being horrific to your fellow man. It's it's disturbing. There have been other. Um, Wasn't the Tide Pod thing a TikTok challenge or some? Yeah. What did they do? Did they eat them? Yeah. They would put them in their mouth and let them dissolve. It's freaking poison. I <laughs> know. Oh, okay. The thin but, the herd I mean, challenge. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's there's a Darwin yeah. thing here. I mean, Seriously. it's just uh, too bad. If you if you're that dumb or desperate, have at it. I I, yeah, I don't yeah, feel sorry for you. Let's start to jump off the Narrows Bridge challenge. And, I, and I'm sorry. That's 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 too far. I'm sorry. But gosh, what what happened to the walk a little old lady across the street challenge? How about shoveling somebody's sidewalk for snow challenge? Let's try that one. God, I'm well, old. I'm I am, such I a am, dinosaur. I, I am so old. I, I, I have a feeling that uh, the mo- that those moments have passed. Yeah, I think there are. I think there are also many examples of good things on on TikTok, but they don't get in the news. We don't talk about those no, because they're not that compelling. You know, so um, that's for an every, excellent point. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. Is that we we have to take some responsibility for illuminating these things and saying oh gosh look at this the you know the shock and awe of this yeah. well if people stopped consuming it and stopped talking about it maybe it would fade away a little bit but people are going to be drawn to to those kinds of things much more so than acts of compassion 
That's just human nature, and sadly. You're, and that's what makes the news. You're right. It's the self-awareness challenge for Spike O'Neill. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. I, pre- I feel better about myself. Middays. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Jack Stein. Spike, why do you think we focus so much on the fine state of Florida? Why Why do you think this is? I've got a theory. I'll tell you off the bat. I think that we talk about Florida because Florida is kind of the, it's the, I don't want to say the canary in the coal mine. That's not the right phrase. But it's I the, think it's that, the appendix America no longer needs. It's like an example of what America could be. I think in many ways, because mm. the, the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, will be running for the presidency. We all know this. And unfortunately, when I look at Florida and I look at their cultural prescriptions that they put forth for their young people, for their gay people, for the trans people that live in Florida, I cringe pretty hard. And I think to myself that Florida seems like a pretty awful place to be. Now, I don't necessarily mean in terms of policy when it comes to what people can do with their lives or COVID policy or whatever it is. What I mean is that it seems like Ron DeSantis and many people in Florida have a vested interest in being as anti-trans, anti-gay, anti, I, I, I don't know, just kind of anti-progressive as you possibly possibly could be on these issues. And for me, Spike, as an independent voter, I think to myself, I just can't get behind this stuff because it is getting to levels of absurdism. Now, I say that because there's a, a board in Florida that is discussing whether or not uh, high school athletes have to disclose their menstrual history, their menstrual cycle history. Now, this pertains to young girls. And what I find so egregious about this, other than it's you know like a wild violation of your medical privacy, and as a young woman, this is a very difficult thing to deal with as you're developing. Uh, other than that, It's pretty gross that Florida would go to such a degree to have discussions about monitoring young children's bodies in this way. I find it to be fairly egregious, Spike. And when people come to me and they say, Florida's great, Florida's such a great state. And I think to myself, okay, so they're banning books now because it's a felony. (laughs) It's a state state felony. It's a federal offense in the state of Florida to have certain books – and so they, they cleared out an entire library of books that now have to be combed through by a bureaucrat to determine which ones are acceptable, which ones are not acceptable. You got Ron DeSantis openly talking about denying children who suffer with gender dysphoria, uh, uh, a treatment that has been approved by the American Endocrine Society, the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Psychological Association. And you've got Ron DeSantis saying that if you are a teacher and you are married to and you're a woman married to a woman or you're a man married to a man and you get a complaint from one of your students parents about your behavior in the classroom that you could be both fired and sued for mentioning that you have a partner of the uh, uh, of the same gender. Now, right. most people say, Jack Stein, that's not correct. And I tell people, go read the bill and see how vague it is. And then you tell me the next time you're in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and you read a newspaper saying that a teacher was fired because they mentioned that they had a husband. Right. So when I when I look at the state of Florida, I don't want my America to look like that. I don't want my country to look like that. I don't want to have 
books being banned. I don't want young ladies to have to show proof of a menstrual cycle. I don't want teachers who are gay to have to hide the fact that they have a, a husband or a boyfriend or a wife or whatever. I don't want to live in that world. But Spike, the unfortunate part is, is that there's a, a vast majority of Americans, seems to be about 30 percent of them, think that that is the way that America should be that we should ban books, that we should ban thought, that people should be convicted of thought crime in the case of the don't say gay bill, and that uh, young ladies' bodies should be scanned and examined by bureaucrats. This is pretty dystopian, right, Spike O'Neill? That's pretty 1984. That's not very William F. Buckley, if you ask me, buddy. Well, uh, <laughs> it's pretty cringe. I've, I've got family in Florida. Yeah. And I, yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I've, got, I've got family in Florida that are full-on Ron DeSantis supporters. And, and I've got family in Florida who uh, who have trans trans children. Both both are existing at simultaneously in the state of Florida. So it's for my family. It's not just a political conundrum. It's a family mm-hmm. dynamic that is destroying the family. Right. Literally, yeah. I, I've got a trans, and I don't even know. Uh, I love this person. Mm-hmm. With all my heart, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I don't refer to them as my niece okay. because they are trying to figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. They're still a minor, and I don't think that you know surgery should be an option if they decide that's what they want to do at this stage of their life. So on that sure. front, I can I can relate to some of the folks in Florida who think that we oh, have yeah. to be we have to be careful how we empower young people who are on a journey of self discovery. I totally get that. I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But when when you are afraid to teach history because it will offend people, well, uh, it, apparently it will only offend people who are on the wrong side of history because it's it's because it's divisive to te- you know to teach people that America is a bad place and that and to teach people to hate their country, you know that's mm-hmm. that's a false representation of the policies that we're talking about in this not just the state of Florida but in the country. You know, Florida just banned the teaching of, uh, is it EID, um, equity, oh, inclusion? CRT. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Right. You know, they got rid of that. Right. So teaching people that people can be different mm-hmm. and that different people should still be included in our society, that's, that's bad? How's that American? If you're you're only Ron, you're only American in Ron DeSantis's Florida if you're the same kind of American he is or the kind of American he approves of? Well, so it's, like I, I, a, it's it's hard to put to find a, the upside of that. Yeah, well, th- so there's a group out there. It's called the Manhattan Institute, and one of the people who is an acolyte of that institute is a guy named Christopher Rufo. And the idea behind this group is a highly conservative group is that they believe or view themselves as being political operatives, and they need to change the narrative in the United States so that more people will vote Republican. That's their entire goal. And so the idea is, is that if they can elicit disgust in people when you talk about trans people or you talk about little trans kids or whatever, you talk about gay people or whatever, if you can elicit a certain amount of an emotional response and you can say, look at how terrible this is, look at how awful CRT is, despite the fact that most people could not tell me what critical race theory is, I know what it is, I went to college, I studied it, but they hear what it is from Tucker Carlson and then they go, oh, that's clearly what it is. Or they hear diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they think that this is some kind of communist manifesto, not knowing what it actually means. There is a, a, a big con out there, which is attempting to get people to vote a certain way by making them 
ignorant to what these terms and ideas actually are and tells them, don't go read, don't go look at primary sources, look at memes on Facebook, look at memes on Instagram, and that will be all of the knowledge that you need to have about contemporary politics in the United States. And it is a huge, big con. And instead of talking about things like the economy, things that conservatives really shine in, things like the economy or the importance of uh, uh, of uh, um, the nuclear family or the importance of a family before the state or whatever it is, things that conservatives really do shine on, they focus on these issues that have nothing to do with them, whether it's a gay couple or, or trans kids or whatever it is, and they get so fired up about it that they are blinded literally blinded to the fact that this is a literal political operation that is going on to try to get them to vote a particular way for a particular uh, political candidates. And, and it's a it's a real shame. It's a real shame that they is, can't see through that. It is. And it's also it's worse than a shame when, for example, this the gender affirming care that's been banned by law in Florida. Right. right? Even though it's right. what's recommended by medical professionals, including the American Association of Pediatrics. Right. right. The fact that Florida leaders misrepresented the research they used to in- enact this ban. It's not just that they've got ideas that are antiquated and are, are non-inclusive. They, ne- they need to misrepresent the facts to people. It's not just that they're keeping. Yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. You know, when when the truth doesn't win the argument, you, you need to change the argument, not change the truth. You know, you don't need to lie. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it is. It is heartbreaking for me to know that my family member isn't a part, isn't welcome. In that, in their version of America, and I can't, I can't get behind that. Yeah, you know, I uh, agree with you, Spike. And, and it, it's a deep conversation to have. You know, I, you talk about you trust memes and stuff you see on Facebook. I saw a meme on Facebook that said Florida, it's Germany from the 30s, but with theme parks. And <laughs> That's you know, so bad. Th- it's horrible. <laughs> but I tell you, so in, in every bit of humor, there needs to be a little slice of truth, or it ain't funny. Sure. So sure. if you laugh at that, <laughs> take so a look. At, take a look. I hear you. All right. Uh, we'll be right back to try to find two or three texts that we can read and not lose our broadcast license. Jack Stein, Spike O'Neill, and that noise gate is killing me, Spike O'Neill. I wish you could hear what you could hear on, uh, since we and I are not in the same building, we're not even in the same uh, state at this point. We're not in the same universe, pal. Don't kid yourself. (laughs) But the noise gate that comes through my headphones is killing me, and I wish beyond wish that I could actually be in the studio. I love being in the studio. Cairo has probably some of the best studio vibes that I have ever had in my radio career. Unfortunately, you know, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me to, you know, spend, spend a lot of money. To Grab a Southwest flight up here, sit in the middle seat, and it doesn't recline next to the bathroom so you can make fun of me right. for three hours. So, it's not worth it. I get it. Right. So, so, but I, I would love to be there. I'd actually physically love to be in the studio and this, uh, and I wouldn't have to deal with the noise gate that cuts everything out every time I say something. But uh, there's an article in the Wall Street Journal that's talking about Pretty much what I'm talking about it says you're good at your job, but are you fun enough? And the tagline here is some bosses believe in-person bonding is more important than ever in the hybrid work era. Mandatory fun time with colleagues fills a lot of people with dread. And what the article is talking about, something like a Taco Tuesday, casual Friday, mandatory fun time, icebreakers, 
uh, I don't think you can play truth or dare anymore in work. I no, think that would be an no, HR issue. <laughs> no, seven seconds in heaven in the supply closet. No. So, so, but the, the problem with this though, Spike, is that now that everybody has gone hybrid, I think that people have become turned off to the idea of even being around other people. Now I love to be around people. I love to talk to people. Even when I disagree with people, I love having a, a sit and a chat whether it's with uh, uh, Aaron Granillo catching up with his uh, uh, lovely wife and lovely children or, you know, Brady, who's buying the ones and twos currently. I just like talking to people and I have not had that opportunity in quite some time. So if someone came to me now and they said, hey, Jack, we're going to have a, an ice cream social on Thursday, I would be the first person in line. I would be there 15 minutes early, Spike O'Neill, just to ensure that everybody knew that I was enthusiastic to be there mostly just because I enjoy being around people. But apparently everyone has reverted back to their 12 year old self. And according to this wall street journal <laughs> article, people are having anxiety around this. Like it's the sixth grade dance. Like it's the Sadie Hawkins. Oh my God. Is Spike O'Neill going to want to dance with me? <laughs> well, the, the, part of the story says that since so many office spaces have been reduced, if not eliminated, there's a surplus of budget. And the company's yeah. trying to seek that lost camaraderie from us working in a closed, you know, environment. They're trying to recreate that or just rekindle that com camaraderie by forcing us to do things outside the office together. Right. And, and, you know, I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's very valuable to have great relationships with your coworkers. I think it builds teamwork, it builds colla collaboration, it builds self-esteem for everybody involved. You know, just a high in the hallway really does a lot of for a lot of people. A lot of mm -hmm. folks, when they miss that interaction and they're stuck at home in the makeshift home office, which is also the guest bedroom where you store all the grandpa stuff after he passed away. I mean, it's <laughs> it's not a creative environment. You know, it's it's a downer. It, it is. It's a downer. And, yeah. and needing to see other people is really something that is going to have, I think, a long term negative effect on not just who we are as people, but the work that we can do as teams. So I'm all for getting together and doing things. But you got to just realize and admit that some people aren't fun. Some people might be great at their job. Some people might be great at their job, but they're just literally yeah. wet sponges when it comes to interaction with humanity. This is true. This and and is true. You, you can't force camaraderie. You can't force personality. I've tried, believe me, for decades, and you just can't force personality. So I don't know how I feel about this. There's definitely an upside, but you have to give people the, the, the option out, you know, option. You do have right. to give people right. the right to tap out. You can't you can't fire somebody. There was a guy fired. I think it was I don't know if it was France or Britain. Um, he he wasn't fun. He didn't want to go out drinking with the cohorts after work and get hammered and come to work the next day right. hungover. So they let him right. go, and he sued and he won. But you you can't I, force people to be, you know, friends. Yeah, there was a guy at the, the radio station that I worked at many, many, many years ago, and his name was Richard, and he was one of the chief engineers at this particular radio okay, station. Okay, and the, yeah. the guy had a the guy had a fascinating, fascinating life. He helped NASA develop the technology so that the when the lander was on the moon, this is in the sixties when the lander was on the moon, they could communicate to the little craft that was hovering around the moon and then bounce that signal back to the Earth. The guy was absolutely he was a genius. He was an amazing guy. I, you could not talk to him for longer than 30 seconds without wanting to just leave. The, <laughs> the guy was so – he was just so yeah. boring. Yeah. But his life was fascinating, but he, he had no idea how to carry a conversation. So he would come in 
and he loved uh, uh, Jack Link's jerky. <laughs> yeah, I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> so he would come in, and he'd be like, "Yeah, they got this new flavor of Jack Links at the Seven Eleven." Big day for him. Wait. Big day for him. Big day. Yeah. And then and then you would wait because he wanted you to to respond, and you would go, "Okay." And then he would go, "Yeah, it's pork and peach." Can you believe that? <laughs> so, oh somebody God. thought to make a, a pork and a pe- And by that point, I'm like, Richard, I, I will quit my job at this moment if you do not leave. But the, he, he never picked up on the signal that you had other things to do. So you would be kind of, uh, you know, like trying to uh, Michael Jackson your way out of the room. Right. <laughs> Moonwalk like, out. Moonwalk now, out. Now, now imagine you're on a three day retreat and you're literally three legged race. Your middle legs are tied together with this guy and it's a 72 oh, no. hour survival. You and Richard, no. the engineer, I brought some Jack Lang's pork and peach, man. We're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, he was the worst, Mike. I'm telling you. And I, I cared for the guy and I had a lot of affection for the guy, but we were at the Christmas party. It was one time where the, and he, he didn't drink at all. Oh. So we just, standing there he's just standing there and uh uh we get caught up in conversation he's just yeah you know back in the 70s led zeppelin was probably the greatest band ever yeah you ever you ever yeah. you know led zeppelin you ever heard led zeppelin and i'd be like yeah richard i, I know led zeppelin you know, robert robert plant you ever hear robert plant sing yes oh i've heard God. robert plant big fan you know jimmy page was the guitar player for led zeppelin that's how he spoke to you he spoke to you like you were an idiot and i couldn't handle it anymore yeah but at that point you say hey richard since you're not using your drink tickets give them over because i'm gonna need every bit of alcohol to get through the next hour with you you know that that's a match made in heaven he won't shut up you can't stop drinking it's great it's perfect. Right. Right. So that was my that was my no, my experience. But I, I get it. No, but there, there are people that just don't don't socialize well. And that doesn't make them right. bad coworkers. In fact, every every team needs players who can do different things. I mean, we really do. And I, and I genuinely feel that the loss of interaction among coworkers has detrimental effects. I mean, you know, it was a pain in the ass when they started making us come back into work. Not here, but, you know, when I, when, when, when COVID restrictions were lifted, I was working yeah. a remote job in Portland and was able to telecommute my job to Portland to do this job. And they all of a sudden, they wanted, you know, mandatory return to work two days a week to just kind of ease everybody back in. So I'm trucking my stupid rear end down to Portland, 4.30 in the morning, coming back that night, doing it again on Thursday. It was a pain in the rear. But I got to tell you. That the benefits of seeing my coworkers in the office and having a quick question and not having to fire off three different emails to get this quick question answered, being able to pop over, uh, you know, across the hall, ask the, this person about this and get my answer right away. Productivity was increased, uh, feeling yeah. good about my coworkers, learning stuff from these guys, just from watching them work, watch them interact with their clients, listening to phone calls through two thin walls, hearing these people <laughs> interact. Seriously, hearing them interact on the phone was like I was learning how to do the job because I was brand new to it, but I was able to yeah. do that because we were all in the same space. And it was a pain in the rear, and not everybody was fun to be around. But the, the upsides were so much greater than any downsides of not being around together. So uh, so overall, I think I'm for forced yeah. forced interaction with your coworkers. <laughs> Every once in a while, you got to hear about that background of Led Zeppelin for the 15th time. you got to put up with those moments. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's a good thing to be involved with your coworkers. And, you know, yeah. and, and it's great to be fun at work. Sometimes it's overkill when you're too fun, when you're the fun guy at work and all you're known for as the fun guy. I'd rather hey. I'd rather be the guy who was really good at his job who was also fun. Yeah. You know? I hear you. You got to strike that healthy balance, man. I hear you.